All right, so um, try to be tried to be so focused with messages during this season, and it's been really hard, specifically since we started the book of John. Not because John isn't clear or that the word isn't clear, but my heart has been so divided with my attention and um, my health and Doug's health and what God's been doing. But we keep on pressing in and pressing on. So today, as we get in to John chapter 1, week 3, be even more gracious with me than you usually are. Amen? All right. So John continued, or uh, last week, John continued the idea about being the light or Jesus being the light in the world. Jesus being the light to all mankind. Now, John continued it, but what ended up happening is I lingered a little bit too long on some of the things I wanted to say and never got to the rest of what he said. So before we get started on today's scripture, I guess I just simply want to read through um, verses 6 through 13, and then I will get into today's scripture. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. So testifying of the light of Jesus, the light as Jesus. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world, sorry, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Amen? Yet to all who received him, receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So John was just letting us know that the light, as, as he's still explaining, revealing who Jesus is. And remember, his perspective of Jesus was... I'm teaching you about John, saying, I'm teaching you about who Jesus was before he came to earth. So before Jesus came to earth, he was the light. He's described as the light. He's described as the word. And then this light, whoever receives this light can have eternal life. Whoever received him, believed in his name, could become his children. So we get to become the children of God as we receive him. So you say, well, generally, Joey, I know this. I understand this. Well, great, good. I'm happy that you understand this personally. But what, what I hope we're able to do now is when we're on the street or when we're at Thanksgiving dinner or when we're at the grocery store or when we're ministering to friends, we're able to explain to them a greater picture of who Jesus is. See, because often where we start with Jesus is Jesus is simply just the man born of a virgin birth. And that's where we start. He, he died and he resurrected. And, and that's a piece of Jesus. 
But now when people ask who Jesus is, my hope is that you can also say, well, Jesus was the word. And not only was Jesus the word, but Jesus was, Jesus, or the word, which is Jesus, was never even created. He's just always been. Right? And not only was the word uh, Jesus, but the word was also the light. And the light that shines on all of us and mankind in the world that can set us free from sin and death. Amen? See, that's a whole lot, uh, complete picture of who Jesus is. It's not complete yet. And John's going to continue that picture today. So he's the light, he's the word, he's Jesus, he's God, he's existed forever, no point of starting for him. He's just always been. And then today, guess what? The word became flesh. So sometimes when we just say Jesus, maybe we're not given enough credit. I just think it's um, a fun idea and it makes my heart happy to think that Jesus has always been. Always been. So today, um, the word becomes flesh. That's where we're going to talk. So verse 14, John chapter 1. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifying concerning him, he cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Verse 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace um, already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only one and only son who is himself God and is um, in closest relationship with the Father and made him known. John is continuing to let us know who Jesus is. And that matters because people really don't know who Jesus is. I kind of explained that just several moments ago. But some people think that Jesus was just a prophet. Some people think that he was just a good man, that he was essentially the first Mother Teresa. Some people think that Jesus is God. Some people think that Jesus is independent of God. Some people think that Jesus is fake. It matters to know who Jesus is. It matters because if we want to see our family saved, if we want to see our friends saved, or how about this? If you want to walk in greater unity with Jesus, if you want to walk in greater unity with the Father, you got to know who He is. You got to spend time with Him. So John's just taking a step by step. And here we're trying to go step by step of learning who Jesus is through the Gospel of John. 
Now, if we look at the first part of verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. There are several things that we can learn. Number one, Jesus as God took on human flesh in order to save us. So you can take that note if you want. I think you should take some kind of notes. Jesus took on human flesh in order to save us. If the word didn't become flesh, he couldn't have been tempted and tested. You realize that? If he just came as this, if he just came as God, the Father, and he walked on earth, he couldn't have been tempted and tested because God can't be tempted. So Jesus came as a man so that he could be tempted and tested, proving that he was perfect, proving that he was the perfect sacrifice for you and I. If the word didn't become flesh, he wouldn't have been able to set a standard for us. What's his standard? Walking in relationship with the Father and living perfect. Jesus lived perfect, didn't sin once. And you know, as I've said before, many of us are very political with our sin. We, uh, we don't sin on the outside, right? We don't let people see that sin, but in our hearts and in our minds, you better believe we're sinning. And even bringing up with a family member yesterday what we learned out of the book of James, I believe it was, could be wrong, 530. If you know the good you ought to do and you don't do it, it's a sin. Jesus knew the good he ought to do, and guess what he did? He did it. Every time. Not just once. Not more often than not. Not a little bit. Jesus never sinned in his thoughts, in his mind, or in his actions. And that was required for him to be able to die on the cross for us. If the word didn't become flesh, then he wouldn't have been able to die for our sins. Amen? The second thing John reminds us of is Jesus was here long before he became flesh. So he's still reiterating, uh, repeating himself. I've heard it said that the beginning of the gospel story is not just Jesus' birth, but simply it's um, the next chapter. Um, one author says the Old Testament was God's promises and the New Testament was promise kept. So we're still thinking in the name of Jesus. He was here long before he became flesh. And then the third, third thing we learn here in verse 14 is um, Jesus made his dwelling among us. Where was Jesus at 25 minutes ago? He was dwelling among us, wasn't he? Where's Jesus dwelling at right now? Where's Jesus dwelling at when we're having a rough week? Jesus made his dwelling among us. And dwelling in the original language is the word um, skinao and um, I guess here's a definition for it. 
to fix one's tabernacle. Have one's tabernacle. Abide or live in a tabernacle or tent. It's a tabernacle. So when God, when Jesus came and he's making his dwelling in us, it's, it's really changed everything. A simple refresher. Back when we went through Exodus, what did we learn? That the presence of God would show up in different ways, but it was never tabernacling within us. You had to go to a temple. You had to go to the house of meeting. So the, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was the place where God's people would meet God's presence. Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. You know the really awesome thing about the, the age that God has created me to live in is I don't have to come to Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship to walk in his presence. And then I don't have to go through certain corridors. I don't have to go through certain rituals to be able to experience him. There, there's one sacrifice today. And that sacrifice I can't make. That sacrifice is all because the light shined on you and I. So the promise from the Old Testament about Jesus tabernacling with us or dwelling with us, John is now revealing that in the Old Testament, or sorry, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's fulfilled. God wanted a place for his presence to dwell with us. Now in the New Testament, John is saying, here it is. This is it. His dwelling is now with you. What John is letting us know is that Jesus has now uh, chosen to dwell with us. How about this? He chose to, to be more intimate with you and I. It wasn't a place that we got to visit Monday and Wednesday. Jesus dwelling with us means we have the opportunity to be in his presence all of the time. Second part of verse 14 keeps something very similar going on. So over the next several verses, um, they're gonna give us a picture. I'm gonna give you the picture in three bullet points and then we're gonna go point by point by point. But God's fullness is now with us. Jesus is greater than Moses and the law. And Christ alone reveals the Father to the world. Amen, Trina. John 14, B through 16. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, John testifies concerning him, cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he comes after me. The one who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, 
we have all received grace in the place of grace already given. So he first mentions the idea of tabernacling with us. Now he mentions God's glory. It takes me back to Exodus when God's glory showed up with a cloud by day and fire by night. You guys remember that? <laughs> here's, here's what's so unique and here's how our heart is deceiving above all else. Many of us, when we read the story of Exodus, said, I wish that God showed up cloud by day and fire by night. Anyone ever say, I wish that God would do that? Raise your hand. Participating church. There's still moments that I'm like, God, show up by cloud and show up by fire. But you know what the Old Testament believers would have traded to have what we have today? God's glory doesn't have to show up by fire and cloud anymore. What John's trying to help us understand is that the fullness of God is now with us. We learned in Exodus, yeah, that when the glory showed up, it revealed the literal manifestation of who God is. It just showed a manifestation of it. Just a piece of God. So when, when, the, when the pillar of fire came, that was a piece of God. It wasn't the fullness. And then when the cloud would show up, that was a piece of God. It wasn't the fullness. So I'm not going to pray for a piece of God anymore because we have received the fullness that we're going to get to here in a minute. Amen. It was just a piece. So, um, it simply revealed a piece of how awesome our God was. Key word, a piece. God's people in the Old Testament only had a piece of the picture of God's presence. They were waiting to see the fullness of who God was. And we walk around to here, we walk around as Christians and believers just so nonchalant about having Jesus as our Lord and Savior nonchalantly just walking around. John is trying to help us understand that when the word became flesh, we now were seeing the glory of God, of God, in its fullness. They no longer had to go somewhere. The fullness is now walking with us in flesh. Colossians 1.19 For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. So God was pleased that all of his fullness, the Father's fullness, was pleased to have all of that dwell, tabernacle, right? Reside in, live in the Son. Possess the Son. All of God lived in Jesus the Son, and it made him happy. And what's really unique and what John's trying to help us understand is that same fullness that God was pleased to have in his Son now can live in you and I. That fullness, that fullness that he was pleased with can live in you and I. 
So when we're hurting and when we're lost and when we don't know which, which way, which, which way, when we don't know which way is up, which way is up, or how to say which, or what, Christ is tabernacling within us. Colossians 2, 2-3. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mysteries of God, namely Christ. So I really want you to know who Christ is. In whom all of the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge, or sorry, of whom, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So all the knowledge and all the treasures, all the riches are hidden within Christ. All that fullness is what I'm saying. What Paul was saying. All the fullness of God is in Christ. Now the fun thing about all of this is that God's fullness in Christ alone meets our needs. All of our needs are met in Christ alone. Every single one of them. Not the Buckeyes winning. Not Chipotle. Not getting your way with prayers. Not your new car or your new clothes or a church that has 10,000 people. Christ alone meets our needs. Some may be asking, I've gone to church for years, but I don't ever think I've experienced the fullness of God. I would encourage you that the fullness of God is found when you seek first his kingdom. When you poke out and cut off everything that keeps you from loving him. Now, you're like, now you're getting to a gospel that sounds like earn it or rewards driven. And I would say this, um, I'm saying that the gospel isn't about works, about doing something right. I'm saying that the gospel is about just surrendering to Christ and his fullness. Amen? Surrender to it. Surrender to the things that God asks you to get rid of. Surrender to who he is. And then that fullness comes. Either way, that was my uh, sidetrack. Let's get back to John. Verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Moses was a pretty big deal, wasn't he? When we went through Exodus, when we read through the Old Testament, we see Moses. And we see how God's favor seemed to be on him. Yet he doubted himself. But dude would knock a rock and water would come out. He could do hand tricks. Leprosy, no leprosy. <laughs> right? Snake, no snake. Jesus is greater than Moses and the law. So Moses presented the law to God's people 
that was brought down from Mount Sinai. The unique thing about the law was the law could not justify our sins. The law had no healing power. Even today, the law has no healing power. The law actually brought wrath. Romans 4, 14 through 15. For those who depend on the law are heirs. Faith means nothing. And the promise is worthless because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Another side note, we better pray that there's law and order within our nation. Right? Just generally speaking, the law comes against anyone who doesn't walk in perfect obedience to Christ. One of the things we do well as Christians is we try to justify what obedience is. Well, you know what? I was mostly obedient today. So then when you go home, you say, I was obedient. Anyone ever been there? Participating church. Because you're all lying right now and you're not being obedient. There's obedience and there's not obedience. There's no in between. You can't be partially obedient. If God says, go to Kroger and buy someone's meal, you can't go to Kroger and then come home and think that you were obedient. You were disobedient. So, we must, the law is there um, or comes against anyone who does not walk in perfect obedience. So the law is coming against you and I today, right? But there's hope. And that's what John's letting us know. The law served as a guide, but there still wasn't justification. Galatians 3, 24. So the law was our guardian until Christ came and that we might be justified by faith. Essentially, the law brought death, but God came with glory. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 9. Now with the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in the letters on stone, came with glory. So the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Um, Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? So the law was a good thing. It was glorious. But the law brought death. How much more glorious is the Son who brings life? So Moses and the law paled in comparison to Christ. Why? Because Moses only spoke in peace. God's whole plan of redemption, grace and truth, um, would not be seen until Jesus came as a man and died on the cross for sinners. 
this man, this word becoming flesh is Jesus. And this Jesus is setting us free from sin and death. Jesus was the plan and Jesus is the plan of redemption, not Moses' law. Finally, today, John is letting us know that Christ alone reveals the Father to the world. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. No man could ever see God Moses has been brought up a bunch today. You remember when um, the burning bush happened as we went through Exodus? Moses even said, no man can see the face of God. No man. No man can see the face of God and live. It couldn't happen. We We as humans do not possess the ability to see the Father in his fullness. And you're like, well, how am I supposed to walk in relationship with God when I can't even see him? When I can't even see his fullness? Well, spoiler alert, Jesus. Jesus is the fullness. Jesus, who was in heaven was sent down to take on our human flesh and challenges to reveal God's nature and perfection, his fullness to you and I. Amen? So imagine, I'm sitting at Great Clips, right? This didn't happen, but you know, as, as I continually learn, and, and I asked someone the weird question that I asked several years ago, do you believe in the round earth or the flat earth? And they look at me and they say, what's wrong with you? And then you just weasel your way into the conversation to where they say, but I have a problem with Jesus. Who is Jesus? And then, you, then I get to not only say, he was here at the beginning. He's the light unto the world. He, uh, he is the word, the word that has become flesh. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave. He was the perfect son of virgin birth. But not only that, he is the fullness of Christ in human form. We are able to see the Father as we look at Christ. Jesus became the bridge for us to see the Father. Isn't that really fun? We've never, like... You, you know, I had pen pals back in school. You better believe I was never talking to Boo Boo Bop in Africa because my teacher was just writing me notes, you know, in the closet. I, I never had that friend. I never had that relationship. I could never prove who I was talking to. What, you know, we live by faith and not by sight, but the fact of the matter is, how much harder would it be if we never had Jesus in the fullness 
It's not like writing a letter to someone you don't know and that you never get to see or that you never get to talk to. Jesus became that bridge for us to know the Father and his fullness in physical form today. And you know what's interesting about a bridge, that as Jesus as a bridge to not only see his fullness, but Jesus is also the bridge for us to walk in relationship with God the Father and our sins, our sins by the blood of Jesus be washed away. Amen? Jesus is that bridge. Later in the book of John, Jesus will reveal um, Jesus saying, I and the Father are one. And he will also say that whoever has seen the Father has seen me. So John will continue to reiterate through this book the importance of understanding and accepting that Jesus and God are one and in Jesus is the fullness of God. So in Christ alone, alone, not partially, perfectly alone, we discover who God is in his fullness his power, his love, his righteousness, his wrath, his anger, his mercy, his friendship, his authority. In Christ alone, we discover God's fullness. And without Jesus, we would never know or have seen that fullness. So if you want to know the Father, seek the Son. Amen. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you for understand, helping us try to understand that in your Son is your fullness. Equip us to know who you are more, not just as the flesh form, but the one who's been here always and forever. Thank you for the fullness of Christ. Father, thank you for the opportunity for that fullness to dwell within um, all of us in here today. Help us submit to that, Father. Help us create bigger spaces within our heart for your increased dwelling. Father, we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.